Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. This morning I plan to speak to you on how we can speak like Jesus. How we can speak like Jesus. It has been said that there are three types of speakers. Those you listen to, that those you cannot listen to, those you cannot help listening to. Jesus is the greatest speaker there has ever been in the whole of human history. No one has surpassed or even come close to the Lord Jesus in terms of the profundity or the memorability of his teaching. Jesus speaking is as life-changing today as it was 2,000 years ago. Every word that's spoken by Jesus is a feast to the hearers. And when Jesus spoke, they said, no one spoke like this man. And when we hear the words of Jesus, they come alive to us. And we also say, no one ever spoke like this man. I propose that this morning, we look into some of the characteristics of the speaking of Jesus with a view to emulating the same in our speakings. We start with the first one, revelatory in content. Jesus in John chapter 12, verse 49 and 50, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. We learn from Jesus that what we say is just the, what the Father has told us to say. Jesus speaking was revelatory because he listened to the Father's voice. Everything he did in terms of ministry emerged out of intimacy. The hallmark of Jesus' ministry was intimate communion with the Father, and it should be no different with us. The singular aim of all the words that we speak should be to challenge the mind, move the emotions, and stir the will to respond to the Father heart of God. The surest way of doing this, spend time with the Father, hear from the Father, and deliver the same words to hungry hearts. As I taught in the Bible college this time, I teach in the Bible college in my church. Once when I was teaching in the Bible college in my church, somebody asked me, I was teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Somebody came and asked me, that can you give me five steps by which we can receive more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, I can give you five steps. They took out the notebook and the pen. They were ready to write. I step number one, intimacy. Step number two, intimacy. Step number three, intimacy. Step number four, intimacy. Step number five, intimacy. I said, there is no formula for hearing from God. Only formula is to get more intimate with God. As you get intimate with God, you're able to hear what he says. We heard in one of the messages that we had over the prayer seminar that if you're close to God, you'll hear his voice more clearly. Now, to be revelatory and to hear what the Father is saying, all that we need is to get closer to him. The second one, Jesus speaking was anointed by the Spirit. Was anointed by the Spirit. Every word that he spoke was an anointed word. It carried the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The anointing of Jesus was expressed both in words of authority and works of power. Those who heard Jesus committed that what he spoke was unlike that of the scribes because he taught as one who had authority. When we speak, the words that we speak will be words, authority of the living God. 
Jesus had an authority that was immediately and directly given from the Father. The Bible declares that the anointing breaks the yoke. When we speak with the anointing of the Lord, the yoke on people's lives is broken. The mind is enlightened. The enlightening of the mind means to bring about the breaking of the yoke that the enemy has put on the spirits of mankind. Anointing opens the doors to the miraculous and the supernatural. We need to have the anointing whereby the words that we speak will be anointed words that bring power in what they do. I'm reminded at this time, one of the illustrations in my own life, when I was not even expecting words of anointing, but graciously, God gave words of anointing. Many times, we are not expecting, but God gives graciously the words. This is when I had gone to Australia for my training in my computers. And when I had gone to Australia, I had gone to, just gone to one place, one restaurant, and there, there were two New Zealanders who were there. Two New Zealanders were there. And we were talking. They were Christians. But when they were talking, one of them said, you're from India. I said, yes, I'm from India. He said, we hear there are many evil spirits in India. I said, that was not a good thing to hear. But I said, uh, uh, yes. Said, because there are many evil spirits in India, I'm sure you must be an expert in casting out evil spirits. I was about to say that, no, I'm a computer engineer. I have nothing to do with evil spirits. I've come here for computer training. But before I could say something, that guy said, well, I'm sure I come from India, and evil spirits are many in India. You must be an expert in casting out evil spirits. I'm troubled by evil spirits, so why don't you pray for me? And I was about to say, no, I don't pray for people. But by the time he went on his knees, went on his knees and said, please pray for me. Now as he was on his knees, he was saying, people from India are able to cast out evil spirits. I'm standing in front of him. I thought, like in Hindi, they say, India ka ijet ka sawale. So I cannot let it go. I cannot let it go. So I said, immediately, I said, now, God, release from all the spirits that are playing in Jesus' name, amen. And I was about to go. I said, I finished it. But those words had anointing, because the words in the name of the Lord Jesus. I never expected the words said anointing. And that guy got up and he said, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Feeling so light and free. I said, ah, relief. I'm also free. I'm going. But his sister got on her knees and sister says, I'm also troubled by the spirits. Pray for me also. And I said, okay, I'll pray for you. You also be free from all your spirits. She was also freed. Then I realized, then I realized, that we have to anointing on our words. Anointing on our words. We look to the Lord Jesus and speak in the name of the Lord Jesus. There is an anointing on our words that breaks the yoke and sets people free. The third thing that we need to have in our words, we learn from Jesus. First, it needs to be revelatory. Third, it needs to be have anointing. Second, it needs to have anointing. Third is, our words need to be biblical in their source. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to fulfill them. I assure you, until heaven and earth disappear, even the smallest detail of God's law will remain until its purpose is achieved. Jesus constantly quoted from the Old Testament, introducing what he was about to say with words such as, you have heard that it was said. Jesus' commitment to scripture is something from which we need to learn, something we need to model. Jesus assured his audience that he did not come to abolish the law, but that he would not only fulfill them, but raise a whole new generation of kingdom believers who would fulfill the law through availing of the abundant grace of God. When we speak our own words, people can have various arguments with those words. But when we speak the words of the Bible, they have authority. 
Once I was speaking in a forum, and I was speaking, saying we need to refrain ourselves from bribes, refrain ourselves from various things. One of the people in the forum said, I also said we should refrain ourselves from telling lies. Lies are not part of the kingdom of God. Another person in the forum got up and said, you are a pastor, for you life is easy. You can live without telling lies and without giving bribes. But we are in the real world, we cannot live without this telling lies and giving bribes. These are all part of the lifestyle. I told him, I have nothing to say to you. Nothing to say to you. All that I have to say to you, give you a word of scripture. Open it and read it. I opened him from Revelation, the verse that said, All lake liars have their part in the lake of fire. So you read it. Lies have their part in the lake of fire. Oh no, I don't want to be in the lake of fire. I don't want to be a liar. When you speak the words of the Bible, words of the Bible have authority. Words of the Bible have authority. We need to speak the words of the Bible. What Jesus said was always relevant. Always relevant. He never said irrelevant things. Many times we have religious garbage words that we have. We just shower on people. But Jesus spoke the exactly relevant thing. He scratched where it itched. Scratched where it itched. You understand what I mean? He was always relevant. To the women at the well, Jesus said, let's talk about water. To the fishermen, Jesus said, let's talk about fishing. I want to make you fishers of men. To the taxmen, he said, let's talk about money. If there was one thing that was absent in the preaching of Jesus, it was irrelevance in the form of religious verbal garbage. Marks to be in the teacher's notebook has this to say. To the artist, he's one who's altogether lovely. To the architect, he's the cornerstone. To the baker, he's the living bread. To the banker, he's the hidden treasure. To the biologist, he's the life. To the builder, he's the sure foundation. To the carpenter, he's the door. To the doctor, he's the great physician. To the educator, he's the great teacher. To the farmer, he's the sower and lord of the harvest. To the florist, he's the rose of Sharon and lily of the valley. To the geologist, he's the rock of all ages. To the jeweler, he's the pearl of great price. To the juror, he's the true witness. To the lawyer, he's the true and righteous judge. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom of God. To the servant, he's the good master. To the worker, he's the giver of rest. And to the sinner, he is the Lamb of God. And to the Christian, he is the Savior, the Son of the living God, the Redeemer of the whole world, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Give the Lord Jesus a mighty hand of praise. What Jesus said was always relevant. It brings back one thought in my life where I had a prophetic word of how I should be relevant. This is a very interesting incident, very interesting incident. We used to meet at some, we call ourselves the Monday pastors, and we used to meet a group of pastors from six churches. Ivan Reskino was one of them, Pastor Ivan Reskino is here. And we used to meet every Monday. At one point in time, there was the Holy Spirit working mightily. And what was happening was at that time, many people were being slain, falling in the spirit, shaking in the spirit, laughing, making a lot of noise. There was a season where all this was happening. And one of the people in the group, and some of us were making a lot of noise. I am a person who is like an high school person. I don't make a lot of noise and all, I just quiet when all that happens. But God is working in me at my school. So what happened was, in this meeting, some people are violently making noise. There's one pastor, some of you know him, but he was on his back, and he was like cycling with his legs up in the air, cycling with his legs in the air, and he was saying, ha, 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 hey, 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 hey. I was sitting quietly in the corner, 
and all this happening. Some people are just making noise. This pastor is cycling with his legs up in the air. And suddenly this pastor is cycling with his legs up in the air. He calls out, Arthur, where are you? Arthur, where are you? So I said, I'm here, I'm here. He said, Arthur, ha, 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 Arthur, ha, ha, ha. I said, yes, I've got a word for you. I've got a word for you. I said, okay, say it. Ha, 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 I've got a word for you. I said, say it. Again, he goes, ha, 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 I've got a word for you. I said, come on, say it, man, say it. <laughs> then he said, Arthur, ha, 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 ha. I want to tell you, the word from the Lord is ha, 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 ha. You are a joker. <laughs> I thought if there's any joker in this room, it's not me, it's from some other side. <laughs> I said, you're a joker. So I said, okay, okay. Then some other pastor, after some time, asked, do you know what he said? I said, yeah, I heard him say you're a joker. Do you understand the meaning of that? I said, I, yes, I mean like I'm an ordinary guy. And he said, no, 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 no. This is a prophetic word from the Lord. He said, the Lord, he said, the Lord says you're a joker. You're like the joker in the pack, in the card pack. You can align with anybody. The joker can be allied with the ace, the king, the queen, with anyone it can match. So God has given you the special gift of adjusting yourself to various situations where you adjust to the situations and be able to proclaim the word of God. That's a gift that God has given you. Ah, that sounded good. It sounded good. I received it. I said, thank you. Then immediately after that, I went on a holiday to my native place. And in the holiday to my native place, then I attended a service. I sat at the back. I thought two Sundays. I was two Sundays there. I said, two Sundays I don't have to preach. Quietly there, no responsibilities. At the end of the service, the first Sunday, the pastor came and said, I heard about you, why didn't you preach on the next Sunday? So I said, okay, I'll preach. So I was preparing to preach the sermon. And as I was preparing to preach the sermon, I'm very good at making the points. I made four points, three sub-points, so four into three, 12 sub-points. Each will take five minutes, so it will be 60 minutes. Everything was perfectly planned. Everything was perfectly planned. And I was planning this, the Lord told me, at the end of each of the four points, at the end of the each four points, you sing a song. I don't like to sing songs. I hate people who sing songs in the message and all. I said, sing a song? That's crazy. But the Lord said, sing a song, sing a song. It was very strong on me. Sing a song, sing a song. So I said, okay. So I gave the first point. I gave all my sub-points. And very reluctantly, I sang the first song. And the second thing, I sang, sang the second song. I was feeling like so bad within myself. What is this you're singing a song? But I sang the third song and the fourth song. After I sang the songs, I finished the message. I gave an altar call. Those who want to follow Jesus, come in front. So about seven, eight people came in front. And then I always ask them when they come, what is it in the sermon that touched you? Ask the seven, eight people, what is it in the sermon that touched you? Which point, which sub-point of mine touched you? He said, no sub-point touched us. The four songs that you sang touched us. <laughs> so God was faithful to his word. God was faithful to his word. You need to be relevant. The next point, words that Jesus spoke were compassionate in their motivation. All that Jesus spoke was out of a deep heart of compassion. Deep heart of compassion. Mark chapter 6, verse 34, it says, A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. He had compassion on them, so he taught them. John Ruskin said, When love and skill work together, expect a masterpiece. And these things, two things work together in our speech. It's a masterpiece for the glory of God. Anguish and need of the human race, separated from God, Always evoke the compassionate heart of God into preaching and building of bridges 
between the abundant supply of heaven and the unlimited need of mankind. We need to be filled with compassion. I had gone with one of my colleagues who was here a couple of months back to England, in England for two months. We were preaching for two months. At the end of two months, we were tired. Every time we were preaching, preaching, going here, preaching, going here, preaching, going here, preaching. At the end of two months, we just wanted to come home. We just wanted to come home. Then we were in a meeting on the last Sunday, and we think the last Sunday, next day we're going to catch the plane. We had hardly any compassion to give any words. We were just tired and we wanted to go home. We were just tired and we wanted to go home. But then they said, come and give some words of knowledge to the people. So I just prayed for some compassion to be on me. And then we got up, and one of the people at the back, we had a word for him. The word for him was that he's got a back problem. So we asked him, do you have a back problem? Yep, yep. Can we pray for you? Yep, yep. So he prayed in the name of Jesus, prayed with great compassion, asked him, how are you feeling? Yep, yep. Are you feeling any better? Yep, yep. So we said, okay. We leave it at that. And he said, yep, yep, and we got down. The next day we caught the flight and we came home. When we came home, there was an email in the box on the next day. And the pastor of the church said, there's a man at the back, he said, about the back problem. He said he has never smiled in his life. But this Monday he came to the office and he was smiling, greatly smiling. He was saying the back problem is completely healed. He said, praise God, praise God. The yep, yep man was completely healed. <laughs> but we had, last stage, we had no compassion in our hearts. But God gave us a little compassion so we can move and touch somebody's life, touch somebody's life. Sometimes our life, some, we are so tired, so tired, but still even when we are so tired, God gives that extra dose of compassion, extra drop of compassion that will meet the unlimited needs of mankind. When Jesus spoke, was always visual in its appeal. Visual in its appeal. Mark chapter 4, verse 33 and 34, it says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. In his public teaching, Jesus always used parables. In Matthew's gospel, he draws on the following imagery. Salt, light, gates, roads, trees, houses, mountains, sheep, vineyards. All the time Jesus operated with a Jewish mindset which is different from the Greek mindset. The Jewish mindset was seeing the whole of creation as the arena of God's benediction and blessing. He did not operate according to Greek philosophy, which considered everything material and physical as evil. We need to do this. We need to use parables, illustrations from daily life that will touch people's lives. So that there's a long-lasting visual impact. Long-lasting visual impact. We need to use illustrations of things that we use in daily life in our speaking so that people will catch the illustration from what we use in daily life and keep it in their mind, keep it in their mind. Once I remember in one of the meetings that we had, there was a person from abroad who was speaking. And in those days, India was not so westernized. There were no, not so many western joints, not much of McDonald's and Kentucky's and Dunkin's Donuts and all these were not there. So the person who came, he said, I want to speak to you about the donut. Donut. Here in our place, nobody has seen a donut. And how do you go to illustrate a donut? We quickly asked him, what are you going to say about the donut? He said, I'm going to say about the donut, how the donut has got a hole in the middle and you should not have a hole in your character in your life. We said, okay, we got it, we got it. So when he said, I'm going to speak about the donut, he got up and said, I'm going to speak to you about the medvada. <laughs> so the donut has got a hole, he said, the medvada has got a hole. <laughs> so we use illustrations from daily life that are applicable to the people. Every donut we translated as medvada, and the message went very well. We need to use things that we use in daily life. Illustrations of things that we use in daily life. What Jesus said was varied in his approach. Varied in his approach. The Father did not only tell Jesus what to say, but also how to say it. He not only told him what to say, but how to say it. 
Jesus' parables, proverbs. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus used paradoxes. Who exalts himself shall be humbled. Humbles himself shall be exalted. Used poses or riddles. What did you go out in the desert to see? Used puns. The wind blows wherever it pleases. The wind translated can also be translated as spirit. So we use words that are varied. And we use words in our speaking to people that will help them to keep that in their mind. Help them to keep that in their mind. That are varied depending on situation to situation. Situation to situation. We work among the women who are trapped in the red light areas of Mumbai. And the women who are trapped in the red light areas of Mumbai, many of them feel that is their destiny. Because they've been so beaten and forced into it, they feel this is their destiny. And this is their destiny. And they think they're helpless. They think they're helpless. And when we speak to them, they feel they're helpless. This is their destiny. They won't move out of that. So one word we tell them. One word we tell them. That strikes a chord in their hearts. In Hindi, we say, Majburi nahi. Majburi nahi. They say, Majbur hai. Say, Majburi nahi. Majburi nahi. We put that in their hearts. Majburi nahi. Majburi nahi. So that brings hope into them. That word brings hope into them. We need to speak words that will stir hope in human hearts. Stir hope in human hearts. Next thing that Jesus said, what he said, was always practical in its application. Practical in its application. Once when Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him as he finished and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Content of Jesus' messages not only emphasized the what to do, but more importantly, the how to do. Luke 11 presents an amazing description of the how to do of prayer. Jesus had sent his disciples on a healing ministry, and the disciples came back rejoicing at the many healings witnessed. But the disciples sense a great gap from the prayer life modeled by Jesus and their practical experience of the scene. It has been said that people retain 10% of what they hear, 15% of what they see, 20% of what they see and hear, 40% of what they discuss with others, and 80% of what they experience directly. I've been to some international forums to speak where they give us a guideline of how we should have something, message, we should have a video, we should have a PowerPoint, we should have discussion among others so that people will retain what they hear. But along with what we speak, it's how we speak. How we speak what we speak. It also makes a great difference. There's a body language that we use when we speak. The body language that we use when we speak also makes a great difference to the words that we speak. I remember once, I was standing in the bus stop waiting for the bus. One guy came to me. Hi, hi, how are you? I didn't recognize him. Don't you recognize me? I've been through this many times. So I said, uh, 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 tell me a little more, tell me a little more. So I said, you used to come to the prisons. I was in the prison. Hello, I go to the prisons and hundreds of people are there. So I definitely am not going to remember. I asked him, tell me more, tell me more. He used to come to the prisons and he preach about Jesus. I said, yes. I want to tell you, he says, you preach many sermons, but I don't remember a single one of your sermons. So I said, that was not a great compliment. <laughs> Meeting me at the bus stop and saying, I never remembered a single one of your sermons. But, but, he said. said, okay, let's listen. I didn't remember a single one of your sermons. But, he says, when I came to the prison, when he's speaking, you're always smiling. Always smiling. I was looking at your smile. I was not hearing your words. Looking at your smile. And I was thinking, prisoner saying, I'm 21 years old. You're maybe 50 to 60 years old. You're still smiling. If I continue in this way, when I'm 50 to 60 years old, will I be still smiling? I'll not be still smiling. So I decided I'll change my ways. I'm going to stop this life, finish the court case, get into a life that is proper, 
and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only what we say, but how we say is a great matter of our interaction with people. What Jesus said was courageous in his directness. Courageous in his directness. I do nothing on my own, but I speak what the Father taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do those things that are pleasing to him. Jesus was forthright and direct and applied the knife to the wound whenever necessary. Our messages should be as strong in the surgical effect as in the soothing effect. Jesus' fearlessness can be traced to his sonship. We need to find out what pleases the Lord. Always remember our security lies not in our success, but in our sonship. Our security lies not in our success, but in our sonship. There's an illustration given of a student who was learning the violin. And after learning the violin, the student gave the first public performance. As the student gave the first public performance, as the performance went on, the audience clapped and clapped and clapped very loudly. Clapped very loudly. The student looked to the corner on top where the master was there. The student looking to the master, saying, what is the master saying? Is the master pleased? The guru of the violinist. Do what the master is saying and not be swayed the public clapping there. We need to look at not our success, not what people are clapping to, what we are doing. Look at what the master is saying. Keep our eyes on the master and speak those things that are pleasing to the master. Not speak to those things only that are pleasing to the crowds, but speak those things that are pleasing to the master. Gauge our success not by what the crowds say, but what, by what the master says. By what the master says. The last point in Jesus speaking was that it was potent in its impact. Potent in its impact. The speaking of Jesus was life-changing, not only in his generation, but impacted the generations. The influence of three years of Jesus' teaching far surpasses the influence of 130 years of teaching of philosophers Aristotle and Pluto. The finest paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci received the illumination from Jesus. Dante, Milton, and others of the world's greatest poets were inspired by Jesus. Handel, Beethoven, and Bach reached the highest perfection in hymns and symphonies composed in the honor of Jesus. Jesus is the, truly the greatest speaker who ever lived. The power of our speaking is measured by the fruit it brings in the second and subsequent generations. Second and subsequent generations. Another incident that happened out of our working in the prisons was once I was in a big meeting, in a big auditorium, 3,000 people, and I was interpreting in the meeting, and when there was a break, I went to the toilet restroom, and there were many people waiting in the restroom. And as I was coming out of the restroom, in the midst of all the people, one chap again met me and said, hi, hi, hi. So I didn't recognize him. He said, who are you? He also told me I was a man in the prison once, and you came and preached to us. Then he told me something that greatly gladdened my heart. He said, you preached to us, and I became a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, now I'm staying in this place. My wife and children also became followers of Jesus Christ, and we're in a small meeting in our house, and 10 people are attending the meeting, and they're also following the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so happy that what we sold in the prison is being taken to the next generation and the next generation. What we speak needs to be taken to the next generation. John Wesley started a movement that not only greatly influenced his times, but also had a major influence to this day. One of the three requirements of the disciples of John Wesley was to be ready to speak about Lord Jesus at short notice. Give some speak about the Lord Jesus at a short notice. And we had the privilege of going to England once, and we saw many places of historic importance, and one place where John Wesley used to preach. And the person who took us to those places spoke very dramatically to us, always made a dramatic introduction. And he took us to the place. There's a small board that said, John Wesley preached here. And there was a tree. He made us stand under the tree, 
I stood under the tree. John Wesley stood like this under the tree, exactly as you're standing under the tree. John Wesley stood here, and he used to say, but John Wesley used to come there to speak, and people used to come there with rotten tomatoes and rotten eggs in their pockets. One side rotten tomatoes, one side rotten eggs. And they were ready to throw this at him, ready to throw this at him. John Wesley would speak under the power of the Holy Spirit, speak under the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he spoke on the power of the Holy Spirit, he would end by saying, Lord, I have preached your word according to what you said. I will confirm the word with signs and wonders following. And these people who came with tomatoes and eggs, used to drop these on the ground, you know, throwing it on him, come forward and surrender their lives to the Lord Jesus. He spoke what the Lord Jesus wanted him to speak, and people were changed mightily. Confirmed the words of the servant with signs and wonders following. Multitudes went on their knees and cried out for mercy. John Wesley spoke like Jesus and had amazing results. His disciples did the same. Shall we count ourselves to do the same, to speak like Jesus? As we are in his presence, we saw ten things about how Jesus spoke. And this morning, the Lord Jesus is encouraging us to speak like Jesus, to speak like Jesus. I want to say that I have a sense of the river of God flowing in the midst of us. It's like from the throne of God, the river of God flooding and flowing through us in our midst. And there's a call to each one of us, call to each one of us to dip in the river, to dip in the river. We had various prophetic words, various words that came in the worship. And I saw in this river flowing in our midst, on the two banks of the river, two groups of people who are standing. There's an invitation, both the groups plunge into the river and receive the love of Jesus. Because this river is filled with love, flooded with love. When you dip yourself in this river, the love of God will flood you and fill you with words of love from the Lord Jesus. One side of the bank, I saw people who were afraid, who were doubtful, and were crying. Afraid, doubtful, and crying. These are the three words that I received. I have a sense in my spirit that there are people here who are in fear, who are in doubt, and who are crying because many difficulties that you're walking through. You've come here in fear, you've come here in doubt, you've come here crying. The Lord Jesus says, dip into the river, dip into the river, and my love will wash away your fear, wash away your doubt, wash away your crying, and fill you with an agape love that will be astounding and change you completely, change you completely. On the other side of the river, I see some people who are already drenched. They've already been in the river. They've already been in the river many times. They're already drenched. They're already drenched, but they're saying, we want more, we want more. The Lord Jesus come, come. They're already drenched, they want more. And I sense also, in a sense, that there are people in this room who have been filled with the love of Jesus, filled with the love of Jesus many times, but they're thirsty, and God says, come once more, come once more. Receive once more, one more of the love of Jesus. Receive one more filling of the love of Jesus, because there's no end to how much love we can fill ourselves with. It's unending. Take one more, take one more. I want to close with this call, that God is calling us to be filled with the love of Jesus, to be filled with the agape love of Jesus. The river is flowing. Choice is ours. We'll stand at the banks, we'll dip ourselves in the river. We'll dip ourselves in the river, then whether in fear or doubt or tears, the Lord will change that. And if you're already drenched, God will give us a second drenching. for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.